extratime.ie. League of Ireland football is our passion. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the extratime.ie sportscast. It looks set to be a big week for League of Ireland clubs in Europe with hopes high that Dundalk and Cork City may be able to upset the odds and advance through to the next round of their respective European competitions. On today's show, we speak with current bow striker Mark Chindeo about his recent move to Dalyman Park, while Tom O'Connor speaks with FAI Communications Officer Stephen Finn. We also are joined in studio by XTime.A reporter Dave Donnelly, while my name is Garrett O'Reilly and I should be your host. You can email us at extratimelive at gmail.com. Get in touch through Facebook or tweet us at Extra Time News. So now we're delighted to have current Bowes player um, Marco Chindeo on the line. You're very welcome on, Marco. Yeah, how are you? Yeah. Great, great. Um, so just to start off, obviously a new club, new surroundings, uh, new manager, um, new division in many ways. Uh, the Premier Division, you made your first appearance in the Premier Division there um, last week. Um, it was uh, just a five-minute cameo, but nonetheless nice to get on the pitch for your new club. Yeah, it was, you know, it's it's good to join a, a a good club, you know, and I just hope to make a, a full a full like league debut, like not only five minutes, you know. Hope to play more. And um, how's how, housekeeping since you come in? He's obviously probably giving you lots of confidence and saying that your first league full or full league start is gonna be just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just everyone at the club has been really really good to me by now, you know. So Key, I like Key as a manager, you know. He's just it feels different. Like the other managers talks different like to the players, but that's how I, how I feel, you know. And um, how did the move come about? Did he did he just ring you up and because obviously you were a free agent then after leaving that loan, did he just ring you up and say that he'd be interested in having you um, over to Dalymount? Yeah, he told me to, to to come and play against Newcastle, you know, and see what and we talk after the game. So I think I done done okay against against Newcastle, and you know, sign me up. Okay, and uh, I suppose uh, as your first game for Bohemians, how was it to play against uh, the caliber of player that Newcastle have? Well, you know, it was good. You know, but like we couldn't do much. You know, they were just zipping the ball around. Like we've done our best. You know. And um, Whippo's uh, current league position, will you be obviously hoping to maybe add to their goals? They currently have only just scored 17 goals this season, so obviously not the best to be kind of we're over at the halfway point now. So you'll be hoping to be able to add to that uh, strike force help the likes of Ismail Lacanadi up front as well. Yeah, I hope you know. We just we hope to get a win like the next next fight against Finn Hobbs, and you know I'm just hoping to 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 play, you know, you know, to help the team. And how have you found the the training so far at Bohemians? I know uh, maybe you're playing with better players than you were at at, at Athlone. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's much better, like much better level, like, much better tempo. You know, players are more like professional. Everything is done proper, so I'm enjoying the training. It's very good. Very good. And I know you only had five minutes against Derry City, but obviously um, the, the standard of the teams that you play against is higher as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only play five. I couldn't do much. Like I couldn't affect the game. So, as I said, I hope to play more in the in the next game. Okay, and you spent um, about a year and a half at that. Or sorry, down in Athlone, and um, I. I know um, you were in the first division, but it seemed to go quite well for you. Uh, particularly, um, I know you lost the opening game against Cavendish, but from your own personal perspective, you scored a great goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, last season I haven't played as much, so because I had the broken leg, you know. So I, uh, I'm enjoying it now. Like I'm enjoying the football right now. So I hope to keep going like this and score the goals, you know. And then um, Finn Harps had to come just coming into the the current weekend. Uh, Finn Harps yeah. are going to be the next opponents up in Dalyman Park. Um, high hopes for that game to kind of pick up three points and kind of get push yourselves a bit further up the table. Yeah, yeah, you know the table is like you know it's not it's not a big difference like points between the games. So if if we win the game, like we're up there, you know, we just 
we need a good performance. That's what that's what we need and hope to play. That's what I want. I want I want to play. I want to help the team. Like Marco, you have um, the FAI Cup as well. Um, do, do the players feel like that's a competition that you can win? Yeah, why not? Yeah, well, I can't play in in, in the FA Cup because I already played with that alone, and don't think I'm I'm allowed to play in that. Okay, Marco. Well, we uh, we do wish you the best luck in in the coming games, and hopefully you kind of after I know it was a, a tough uh, a tough little while for you down that loan that you do manage to get your feet back up and running um, against against or with bows in the coming weeks. Thanks for coming on. Okay, no worries. Thanks. Extratime.ie. Get in touch through Facebook or tweet us at Extra Time News. League of Ireland football is our passion. And so, we're down to just two teams left in Europe. We have Cork City and Dundalk. Interesting results uh, during the week and, of course, uh, two massive games to come in the coming few days as well. Uh, first off, we might as well start with Dundalk in the Champions League there. Last week, they uh, managed to get what was a respectable result, I suppose, uh, away to Bate Barasov and certainly keeps the tie alive as they come back, um, not to Oriel Park, but come back to Tallah Stadium um, for the game this coming Tuesday night. Yeah, well, we spoke last week about St. Pat's, how they felt that... Um Dinamo Minsk had un- underestimated them in the away leg out in Belarus and kind of doubled down and did, did their homework ahead of the second leg. And we talked about how uh, Bate obviously wouldn't make that mistake having played Dundalk last year and learned what they're all about. And I think that's basically what we saw in the game. Uh, I thought Bate were better than they were in either of the two games that they played against Dundalk last year. They showed what they can do. They're an extremely good team, an extremely efficient team. They passed the ball around well. They went... They went to Dundalk very early on and caused them a lot of problems. And in the end, I think Dundalk just sort of tired from all the work they were doing. And eventually, with 20 minutes ago, Bate found the opening. Yeah, they certainly did. And it was kind of it was unfortunate because it came from such a, a silly Dundalk mistake, which more than likely you just really can't do in any European game. And you couldn't even do it at the top level in the Premier Division uh, here in Ireland. So it was just very unfortunate. But Stephen Kenny, certainly he'll have hopes for um, for Tuesday night. Do you think that it's going to be a massive uh, or have a massive impact that the game isn't Tala as opposed to Oriel Park? Uh, maybe not as many people travelling? Uh, certainly. Well, there'll, there'll be a bigger crowd than there would be in Oriel, just down to capacity. But I think, um, at, in particular, I think maybe the big pitch might suit Bate better than it does Dundalk. We know Dundalk like to play an expansive style of football, but they, at their core, they're a short passing team and they can do, can do it in, short, in small spaces. So one thing I'd be wondering about is maybe Dundalk will ask the, the groundsman in there to tighten the pitch to the minimum level yeah that that, that might be one um, one tactic Stephen Kenny puts into play but do you think there's any other sort of tactics Stephen Kenny might change to his normal approach or to the pr- approach Dundalk took um, when they were away from home I don't think so um, if, you, if you look at the game in Oriel last, last time out basically it was fairly similar to an away game it was Bate controlled the ball did as much as they could to hang on to it and not cause Dundalk a huge amount of problems but not leave themselves open either and I think it'll be reasonably similar this time around uh, I think it's up to Dundalk just not to not to lose their heads not to try go all out attack too early keep in the game for at least the first half and see where, see where it goes from there and try and if they can nick something and take it extra time you never know what will happen and David McMillan, um, surely the the form Irish player um, at the moment, and without, without a doubt, is going to have a massive impact if this game is to go Dundalk's way. Absolutely, yeah. I think a lot of people were surprised that he didn't add to his uh, his goal scoring streak against Bate. He didn't really have much of a chance, but um, he's been in fine form. And Daryl Horgan, in particular, has been he was incredible in the away leg, and he was he's been great for them this season. I think he's. You mentioned David McMillan as the player in form. I think Daryl Horgan has been this season the player in form in the entire league, and he's going to be key to to anything they do. 
Yeah, and then just to um, to, to move slightly away from Dundalk and to go to Cork City, who are also in European action. They went down, unfortunately, to Genk uh, over in Belgium, but they do manage to bring the game back to, um, to Turner's Cross. Just a 1-0 deficit, so the game very much still alive, and if they can get a get a goal, then it's it's completely game back on and everything's uh, back to back to evens. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game over there in, in uh, Belgium, uh, as opposed to the Dundalk game where they were really under the cush, the cush the whole time. Cork were very comfortable; they created a lot of chances. Uh, Sean Maguire had one chance in particular. I think he must be kicking himself over missing. He was one on one with the keeper. He had time to pick a spot, and I think he just sort of snatched at it and put it wide of the post. But uh, they, they created other chances. They were very comfortable in the ball. Gang gave them a lot of respect, stood off them, um, and Dundar Cork used that space to really pass the ball around well they didn't tire themselves out or anything like that and they were still really in with a, ch- a chance of getting the away goal towards the end of the tie and I think they'll take that into the second leg Yeah and there's um, of course massive uh, optimism from John Caulfield his usual pre-match press conferences and speeches will no doubt be that this tie is still very much alive and in front of a, a full turner's cross would you would you back Cork maybe to pick up a result? Yeah you never know the, the uh, obviously Genk I think are a, a higher standard team but um, in terms of the actual game I don't think there was anything there to be overawed by and Cork also have the advantage they didn't play a game at the weekend whereas Genk just had a, a league, their first league game of the season this afternoon so there might be a little element of just uh, not too much recovery time they're still a little maybe undercooked ahead of the season so Cork already in the rhythm of their season they're on a great run I think the, the, they're the loss last week was their first loss in a couple of months so they're they're in fine form they're confident they, they went out there and they played confidently they showed they can play football they showed they should be respected and I think they Genko paid them a lot of respect in the home leg and to stay on the on the subject of Cork it's uh, it's transfer deadline day here as we record it in the League of Ireland and they've managed to add a player or two during the week there um, John Coffey is certainly not one to stay quiet during transfer windows yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. Uh, going into the season, I think Cork had a, a very strong squad, probably bigger than Dundalk and their other rivals did. But uh, they've been hit by a few injuries, particularly in defence. John Cavanagh has, has been out for much of the season. Um, with a couple of other defenders, uh, John Dunleavy has picked up a bad injury as well, the captain. So there's, they've needed to reinforce back there, and they've brought in a player that John Caulfield tried to bring in a couple of, couple of years ago, but uh, he had to leave due to work commitments in Dave Mulcahy. And he's also... he has signed two goalkeepers. He's signed Matthew Connor down from Wexford Youths and he's signed uh, Eric Grimes now. He's just come back from Leeds United so it's possible one of those might, might, might also um, challenge Mark McNulty and just, I suppose, bring the standard up among everyone. You're listening to and in our next segment of today's episode, we hand it over to our reporter Tom O'Connor, who catches up with FAI media officer, who's now um, very much involved in the futsal side of the game as well as his job in the FAI communications department. It's Tom O'Connor speaking with Stephen Finn. Tom O'Connor here with Stephen Finn. Stephen, can you give us a bit of a background in your role at the FAI at the minute? Well, my present role at the FAI is in the communications department, so I work in the press office doing all the interaction, with the, particularly with the Irish underage international teams and uh, men's and women's and all the different FAI programs. And My background uh, was in journalism. People might know me from different newspapers that I worked with, and this is actually my second spell with the FAI. I worked with the FAI from 1998 to 2002, directing the soccer show program. Um, and then uh, I balanced that uh, with my coaching, which is my real passion. Uh, I have a UEFA license, and hopefully one day I'll manage the Irish international team at the European Championships or something. Now, some people, like you say, some people know you from journalism. Your other uh, passion is in futsal. Yeah, the story of futsal in Ireland was uh, essentially in the late 90s, after France 98, actually. 
few people had sort of heard about futsal because Simon Clifford in England had put together the football the salon because he went to Brazil he became friends with Juninho he lived in Middlesbrough he was a school teacher in Middlesbrough he went to Brazil saw futsal which uh, its full name was football the salon which basically means football in the room uh, and futsal is a, a shortened version of that he brought those uh, Brazilian soccer skills into England but at the same time the UEFA Futsal Championships was on television, I saw it on Eurosport and I was in the FEI at the stage and I said to the FEI CEO at the time, uh, should we do this, could we do this, uh, I thought it was fantastic. So uh, he said, yeah, fire ahead, see what you can get. So I spoke to FIFA, got Futsal balls off them and uh, I ran a league uh, in Raffarnham just as a pilot to see how we could go and uh, then the Scottish Futsal League had been running uh, for a few years they uh, they had basically ended up entering a five-side tournament which they thought was a five-side tournament found out it was Futsal got absolutely smashed and then realised Jesus this is a good game we should give it a go and uh, the Scottish Futsal League started in Perth near where St Johnson are from and Mark Potter was the guy who ran that league and me and him were friends over the years and he brought a team over from Scotland and our first ever team had Wes Houlihan in it uh, he was playing for Belvedere at the time. Uh, Thomas Morgan, who was playing for Newry City at the time. Um, Dean Fitzgerald, who was with uh, Glen Navin or Glen Torren at the time, and a couple of other guys. Uh, Stephen Goff from Bray Wanderers, and we had a we had a really good three great games. Uh, then we ran a few other things, and then unfortunately uh, things changed. Derek O'Neill had been running the summer soccer, or he'd been running. Brazilian soccer schools in Ireland, uh, myself and Derek, you basically were coaching and running this Ireland team. And then he got a job in the FAI running summer camps and summer soccer schools combined. Uh, sorry, uh, summer camps. And uh, he, he was given a small budget for running a futsal program. And then things, I moved on, went back into the newspapers. He ended up, um, the futsal program grew and, and uh, it went on for five or six years. Uh, and then unfortunately, when the recession hit, uh, it sort of didn't become as big a priority anymore. Uh, and so funding for futsal hasn't been that strong for, say, the last four or five years. But uh, there are still people who love the game, still trying to keep people playing. Oh, what would you say are the major advantages of futsal? Of futsal? Well, the first thing is it's in a, a tightened space. So the full-size pitch is 40 metres by 20 metres, which is the same size as an Olympic handball court, slightly bigger than a basketball court. So a player is going to get infinitely more touches than he would in ordinary football. He's got to make more decisions as a result. Um, they've done studies on it where they took kids playing f- futsal, playing five-a-side, playing seven-a-side and playing 11-a-side. And the same kid who touches the ball eight or nine times in an 11-side match could touch the ball eight or nine times in one minute of a futsal game. Futsal is by far the best opportunity to get many touches for a player. You've got to make loads of decisions. You, you learn how to play uh, under pressure. Uh, and unlike, say, traditional indoor football, kicking the ball against the wall, we know there's no walls on a football pitch. That's a cheap way out of uh, being put under pressure. So in futsal, you learn how to use your body, learn how to be calm when you're being pressed. And having someone on top of you doesn't really feel as pressurising as it would for a fellow who just played ordinary football. Um, the ball is slightly weighted is the wrong word but it's got a restrictive bounce so for a kid who's in the learning phase it's not going to run away from him he'll always know it's at his feet which means then he's able to play with his head up he can use the ball with, he can use the sole of his foot to control the ball and, uh, and then obviously then sh- shooting trying to create chances in very tight spaces get your shot away early 
and for goalies, unbelievable reactions, bravery, diving around on a hard surface. You got to be, well, we know goalies are mad, but you got to be extra mad and uh, extra agile. I honestly can say literally no negatives to people playing futsal, uh, but it's hard to sell the message sometimes. Well, like you're saying there, I mean, lads develop how to play with their heads up, and I suppose, like you mentioned earlier, Wes Hulan, one of the greatest Irish players at the minute to play along that side. Are there any other players in the international team who have played futsal? Or yeah, so as the programme grew in 2007, uh, Derek uh, got funding for the FAI Futsal Cup, and it's run uh, since then. And the very first year of it, uh, Sligo Rovers had Seamus Coleman in their team Derry City had James McLean in their team uh, the next year Cork City had David Myler in their team uh, Wezo played in our very first ever uh, international team and some of the guys would have had some kind of informal uh, Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendrick would have played uh, primary schools futsal uh, so in the senior international team the guys and it's no uh, sort of mistake or any coincidence that guys who are who have reasonably good touches now uh, they might not be uh, Brazilian styles but they're, they're calm and able to play under pressure they've all got futsal experience and even without going into the internationals going as far as the, the League of Ireland champions Kieran Kilduff and Dan Massey both have a lot of experience at futsal yeah, level yeah absolutely uh, Kieran Kilduff was the top scorer in the first ever season of the FAI Futsal Cup uh, Rovers beat UCD in the final uh, I remember one match Rovers drew or won seven six against Bray Wonders and he scored all seven goals and he was just fantastic at it. And then he went in we had an under twenty one national team. We played uh Sporting Lisbon and uh, Benfica in Portugal. Then we played in the UEFA futsal, under twenty one futsal uh qualifiers. Um we played in Andorra, uh we won one, drew one and lost one, didn't qualify for the uh finals. Uh, Holland beat us. But that was uh, we beat Azerbaijan. Uh, that was a great experience for the lads. Um, and in that group, you had Gary McCabe, Mark Langtree, uh, Dane Massey, um, Dane's brother Lloyd, who would have played for Bray Wonders, didn't play first team football, but he he was unfortunate. He could have been a good, he could have been a, a league of foreign player. He was very good. Um, um, there were so many players really, and even fellas like Owen Doyle would have played in the UEFA Futsal Cup for uh, Shamrock Rovers um, before he went away to England. So. You know, when you go through it and you peel it back, there's a lot of players who've had fantastic careers in our league uh, who played futsal. So, it's Stephen, listen, best luck with everything with futsal and hopefully we'll get everything um, back up and running again. Thank you. Extratime.ie. Get in touch through Facebook or tweet us at Extra Time News. League of Ireland football is our passion. So with the European action continuing to take centre stage at the moment in the League of Ireland, there was just the four Premier Division games on show this past weekend and the results in them games were Bray Wonders won, Shamrock Rovers won, Sligo and Derry played at a nil-all draw, Finn Harps went down 1-0 at home to Wexford Utes and on Saturday Longford and Galway played out at 1-1 draw. We might as well start with the only uh, team to pick up three points in the Premier Division this weekend and that was Wexford Utes when they went to Finn Harps. Um, a good win for Shane Keegan and one that was badly needed, I suppose. Yeah, and maybe one that's been coming as well. I know they've had a few um, defeats over the last few weeks, and I saw them lose quite heavily down in Bray. But their overall play has been really good, and they they have strengthened a little bit. They've obviously lost um, Ryan Delaney to a champions championship side, uh, Burton Albion, but uh, they brought in a couple of players. Shane Dempsey's coming back, and they they look like they're. Well, they certainly look well placed to kind of um, make that charge up. I think they're only two points behind Bray Wanderers now in tenth place, so there's every chance that they'll uh, stay up off their own bat. 
Yeah, they certainly do. And uh, another defeat for Finn Harps, not exactly what Ollie Horgan will have wanted. Although, as he'd probably say himself, ah, sure, we can't win them all, or something something as uh, pessimistic as that. Yeah, uh, realistic uh, Ollie Horgan is certainly a thing. But um, yeah, I think uh, he knows himself. They're, they're, they're not going to win every game because they're. They they have different commitments and stuff like that. They're going to be up and down. They're part time, all that stuff. But uh, Finnars has done very well over the course of the season, and I think they're I think they're probably more or less safe already if they pick up a, if they continue to play the way they are, pick up a couple of results. But uh, they're going through a little bit of a sticky patch at the moment. Yeah, and Bray Wonders managed to pick up uh, just their thirteenth goal of the season when they went one 0 up against Shamrock Rovers at the weekend. Real struggle to get goals at the Carlisle grounds, but uh, a fantastic result really when you consider the difference in. I suppose where the two teams sit in the table and just the calibre of uh, players you'd imagine they're on show. Yeah, two high scoring teams there. Obviously, uh, I think the only surprise is that didn't finish nil nil. Uh, Shamrock Rovers. I think um, Gary McCabe scored a penalty. I think it's his third of the season. It's brought him up to five, so he's the leading goal scorer there. So there was never going to be a huge amount of goals on show. And uh, Bray obviously they defend well. It's the, f- the first uh, goal they've conceded in six games, I believe. Their first, um, they're, but they're on a six game. Uh, unbeaten run now so they're doing well but obviously you can see Wexford sneaking up behind them there um, and obviously uh, they're they're not out of the woods yet by any stretch Yeah and for um, Shamrock Rovers a a, a, win, or a draw for them in, in this case but a, a game where they kind of needed to win to kind of build on some momentum that they've been trying to get ever since Pat Fennel left and Stephen Bradley took over yeah, well, I think it was always going to be a bit of a long project there. The the 3-1 win over Bohemians obviously was always going to be a, an exceptional game, as derbies tend to be. But uh, I think he has a lot of work to do there. He went with the same team that played against Bohemians. And um, they kind of struggled to, to get a foothold in the game, really, until the second half when Sean Boyd was brought on. Him and uh, Gary Shaw front gave him a bit more of a physical presence physical presence against the, the Bray defence. But uh, overall, I think uh, it was a poor game there wasn't an awful lot of quality on show from either side and I don't think a draw was really a bad result well it's a bad result for both sides I suppose but it wasn't um, an unfair result by any stretch and um, with the Shamrock Rovers managerial situation start, uh, seriously I suppose not clear at the moment but uh, it, it's, do you see anyone who might be an ideal candidate to take over that job there's a good chance Stephen Bradley would be allowed by the FAI to uh, stay a bit longer than his 60 day limit at the moment and maybe see at the end of the season well uh, I heard a rumour that uh, the former Peterborough manager Graham Wesley was at the match so I don't know but uh, in terms of uh, the two teams uh, Harry Kenny had a very similar situation to Stephen Bradley earlier in the season he came into the job uh, taken over from Mick Cook as on a caretaker basis and he didn't have a, he wasn't registered on the, the full licence courses so he could only do it for 60 days but now he's he's taking care of that and he's taking the job over full time and Stephen Bradley might may well go through the same the same uh, path and go in but he did mention to Extra Time a few weeks ago that um he is completely wedded to the, the underage project. He really enjoys what he's doing there and he wants to go back to that. But uh, you never know if, if a few more results go his way, his head might be turned and he might want to take the job on full time. Yeah, you just never know. Uh, interesting times nonetheless up in Tallis Stadium. And then to move on to the other uh, Friday night game, which was Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City nil. Not exactly the finest of games, um, certainly for the, I think the TV cameras were down there. So uh, not the greatest average for the league. Yeah, it's the second game in a row that Derry City have played away in uh, that's been broadcast on TV and I don't think there's been a, a single decent chance between the two games but uh, that's kind of the way it went. Uh, I, was t- I thought you were going to um, hint at some uh, air sport bias for Derry City there. 
No, well, they haven't been to a to a home game yet, so maybe they're maybe they just enjoy the the, the turquoise kits. I don't know. Maybe they look great on TV. I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a game of few enough chances. There were kind of there wasn't a huge amount of quality on show, but there were a couple of bursts where there was you know a couple of chances in quick succession and things like that. But uh, overall, I think a draw is probably a fair result and probably doesn't do Derry a load of favours if they want to pull away from Shamrock Rovers. But I suppose the, the two that them are as you were. Yeah, decent crowd though in the showgrounds, all the same for a game that was on TV with 1,694 people paying in to see it. Um, I wouldn't imagine Derry would have brought a massive crowd with the meter, so it's, uh, it, was, it was good to see one at least positive attendance story from the weekend. Yeah, I suppose so. Sligo's attendances are obviously down because they're not doing as well as they have been, but that's a, a fairly decent turnout, especially as you say, it was on TV. Um, and uh, well, I suppose it is a local enough derby, and I say Derry did have a few people down, but uh, overall, maybe. Uh, Maybe it's decent attendance by, by the standards that have been set, I suppose. And then to move on to Saturday night's game, it was Longford Town 1, Galway United 1. Um, a game where Tony Cousins really desperately needed the win and looked like it, uh, that he was going to get a win for a while, but uh, Paul Sennett managed to pull one back after Kaleem Simon had opened the scoring for Longford Town. Um, they're really looking adrift at the bottom now. Uh, Longford 5 points... Uh, Five points clear, really, of anyone else, and it's uh, they're going to need to start picking up points soon in order to try to uh, reel in Wexford Utes. Ten points certainly ain't going to be enough to uh, do anything, really. Yeah, I, well, I was following the game through uh, Galway's commentary, and uh, by all accounts, by the time Longford scored, they had uh, three or four excellent chances and really deserved their their lead. But uh, as seems to be the case with Longford this season, they all their good work sort of went out the window and they gave away a simple a simple goal, which has happened a, a couple of times I've seen them this season as well. So it's it's kind of it's it's more frailty or brittleness than a actual lack of quality, I suppose. Longford are shown, but certainly with only one win this season, that's seven draws now. They're they're not going to draw their way out of trouble, but uh, yeah, they're definitely going to need to put a couple of wins under their belt. But they have brought in, I suppose, a couple of players from abroad. They brought in two two French players in the last week or so, and they brought in a player from England as well. And they seem to have gone straight into the starting lineup. So uh, if they can gel, you never know. Yeah, you just never know. But uh, then to move swiftly on to the first division action from the weekend, and Limerick picked up uh, what it was uh, expected, I suppose, every time Limerick play at the moment. It was a 2 0 win over Shells. Yeah, I suppose uh, Limerick have calmed down a bit. They're not uh, they're not there not scoring five and six goals every game, and I think they they didn't score any goals in the second half, as far as I know. But um, or at least in the last few minutes, as they tended to score three or four in the final twenty. But uh, yeah, Limerick are certainly coasting their way towards the title, and. Uh, it looks like they may snatch uh, the title in, in a re- rescheduled fixture earlier in the day against Cabinteely because they have to make way for the important International Champions Cup clash between the Titans of Celtic and Inter Milan. Uh, I think everyone would be excited about how that game goes, but uh, maybe there'll be a little bit extra more, celebration more, too. More excited than seeing Limerick lift the first division trophy, I suppose. Yeah, well... Talk about first division. I think what's really important is the international champions cup. Uh, sorry, we have to get our priorities right here next time. That um, Limerick have managed to score a ridiculous sixty-nine goals at the moment so far in the first division. It's uh, quite a stat. Yeah, well, they have uh, they obviously have John John Flynn, They have Aaron Green. They have uh, Shane Duggan has a lot of goals this season as well. The captain, so they they're scoring goals from everywhere. They're conceding maybe a few more than they they would like to, but uh, they kept the clean sheet there. The last time, I think the again we're talking about the the FAI Cup. That's something that they'll really be targeting because they're going to play uh, St Patrick's Athletic away from home, and that'll be the first real test of where exactly Limerick are in relation to the rest of the country. Because they'll be playing a they'll be playing a good a good Premier Division side, and we'll see 
just what just what sort of quality they have, I suppose. Yeah, it should certainly be uh, an interesting one. Um, Waterford Cove, our next game, just a two-all uh, draw there. Roddy Collins getting pegged back in after his side went 2-0 up. He'll be disappointed with that. Um, but Stephen Henderson has done a great job with those Cove players um, and they seem to be high in confidence. And That's probably one of the reasons why they managed to get pulled uh, pulled into that uh, one. But uh, Waterford on the up and Cove on the up as well. Yeah, we spoke to Stephen Henderson last week and he said that the confidence is really high in the camp. They've, they brought a few new players in. They maybe lost a couple as well due to work commitments and other things like that. But um, they're certainly keeping up the challenge uh, for a playoff spot between uh, UCD and Drogheda, who uh, obviously won on the weekend. But um, Waterford, I think their slim chances of getting into the playoffs probably depended on hanging on for that win. But what resilience by uh, Stephen Henderson's side to get back in the game and at least rescue something from it. Yeah, and, and as you were saying, they're drawing in UC with uh, both both got wins, and they're both fighting it out for a second and third place in the playoffs at the moment. Uh, Drada won UC one, so the, it, the table remains unchanged. With Drada just ahead of UC by one point, and Aaron Ashko giving Drada a one 0 win over Cavantili, who seemed to be seemed to be struggling a bit this year. But uh, it, it is it's tied at the bottom as well. If you were to look at it, saying it's tied at the top in the second and third position, it's also tied at the bottom with Cavantili hoping to avoid uh, finishing bottom of the table for a second year in a row. Yeah, well, uh, you said they've struggled. I think they've gotten an awful lot better as the season's gone on, and I'm not surprised to see that they um, they almost got a result up in Drogheda, which is uh, becoming increasingly a, a very difficult place to go. They've got a good uh, core of good players down there that they've they've brought in. They've done a bit of dealing. Eddie Gormley's been a uh, very very uh, proactive on the recruitment front uh, at underage level, and it's it's really starting to bear fruit for them now. Yeah, and then I suppose the the best game maybe to have been at, over the weekend was UCD in, ter- in terms of the goals. Uh, there were six goals scored in the Belfield Bowl, which UCD winning now 5-1. Uh, Jason Byrne also got his first goal for, for the students um, before a, a bit of a dubious late penalty was given um, against UCD, uh, which ended up with Adlone uh, getting getting one back, I suppose. Uh, Jason Byrne score and UCD winning. It uh, seemed like Collie O'Neill has got his team playing well, although you do have to remember they did managed to uh, drop two points then and cope the weekend before. Yeah, it's taken Jason Byrne a long time to uh, sort of get to full fitness and get to be challenging for the team. But he, what an asset he'll be coming into the coming into the race. I suppose to get a playoff. But um, I suppose uh, what I want to know is tell me a little bit more about this dubious penalty. That's it for another episode of the Sportscast. Hopefully by the time we are on air again, we will have seen Cork City and Dundalk troops the next round of European competition. We wish both teams the very best of luck. My thanks to our guest on today's episode, Marco Chindeo, and also to XTime.A reporter Dave Donnelly for joining me in the studio. Thanks as always for listening, and please do remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, or get in touch via email at extratimelive at gmail.com. I've been Gareth O'Reilly, and I'll chat to you again soon. You can email us at extratimelive at gmail.com. Get in touch through Facebook or tweet us at extratimenews.com.